Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, it's Bailey. I just wanted to pop in and chat really quickly before this episode with Maxie McCoy gets started to tell you that if you love this episode and you love our conversation and you love us, and why wouldn't you? Come on, we're cool. You are definitely going to want to come to an event that we're doing together next Tuesday, August 28th at General Assembly in Santa Monica. Maxie has just written a book called You're Not Lost that comes out actually August 21st. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this live, and she and I are going to have a great conversation about the various times in both of our lives that we have felt lost, um, at times when we have felt found, the things that got us through those times. And I think it's going to be a really fun conversation because I have known Maxie for almost five years now. We've both had multiple jobs since meeting each other, and she is just one of those women that I could talk to for days and days and days. And generally, if you give us wine, that's pretty much what happens. So I just wanted to give you all a heads up. Check the show notes for the link to the event. It is a fireside chat at General Assembly Santa Monica on Tuesday, August 28th at 6.30 p.m. Free event with the two of us. It's going to be awesome. That's it. Love you. Enjoy this episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Bailey Hancock here. today. And I know I say this a lot, but we really do have one of my absolute favorite human beings on the entire planet and solar system and universe as a whole, uh, Maxie McCoy on today. Maxie is a lot of things, but her brief description is she's a writer and speaker who's obsessed with giving individuals the tools they need to believe in themselves. And that's a pretty accurate description if I know Maxie. So Maxie, welcome to the party. Bailey, thank you for having me and thank you to everybody listening. It's an honor to be here. You guys are all in, in the magical presence of the best host on the planet. Oh gosh. For myself. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. We, we really keep talking about like taking it, this on the road and doing a road show together. And I think it'd be the most amazing fun <laughs> thing we ever did in our entire lives. For sure. 100%. Whether anybody showed up or not, I'm in. Yeah, we would be entertained. Oh my God, we would have all the fun. We would laugh at each other's jokes. It'd be great. <laughs> so Maxie, Maxie and I, yeah, this, the love fest is, is unending with the two of us. Um, so I've known Maxie for about four years now from back in my general assembly days, back when Maxie uh, was kind of, what were you doing? Running communities at Labor League or what was yeah. that? Like? Yeah, around the time that we met Bailey, I was the global director of Local Levo. And so I was tasked with, you know, it was the rocket ship, you know, Lean In and Cheryl Sandberg talks about, you know, what was that one opportunity that really took you to where you've always wanted to be? Just get on, don't ask questions. And, <laughs> and Levo was that for me. I was on the ground building out the global communities um, for Levo, which is a startup specifically focused on millennial women and their careers. And yeah, I had the amazing fortune of just being on the road, talking to women for all those years and building up the workshops that we did offline and sitting with women offline and bringing women together offline. And so I, you know, the, the magic that happens within the four walls of a physical space is, is one of my, you know, one of my big loves. Same. Yeah, that was, that was General Assembly for me, my rocket ship. And it was really at the exact same time. And as Maxie was doing local Evo, I was doing campus, what was I doing? Campus marketing production for General Assembly. 
So we got to collaborate and partner together as organizations to bring LEVO workshops, those that magic between the four walls into GA campuses. And, you know, Maxie and I just kind of fell in love. And it's- I mean, it was easy. You know, you always talk about, I always, people always ask me like, how do you find mentors? I'm like, don't cold call for your mentors. Like, just look for the peer. I mean, I, I don't know if you feel this way. I have a couple, you know, I have a couple super wise, sage, multiple decades of experience mentors in my life. And I'm very grateful for them. I just got off, you know, before this was on the phone call, on the phone with one of them. And I'm so grateful for that. But I also, you know, most of the major things that have happened in my career and, and a lot of them have been the, you know, the versions of you, like just like this and, and opening up opportunities for me because we just loved each other. And we were, you know, kind of felt that immediate connection. I always say like be in the business and making friends and you'll end up finding your peer mentors. A hundred percent. People often forget to look around them for mental yeah. support. And it's like, you guys, we're all in this together. It's the best people to bring on your team. Yeah. And you know, it reminds me of really good advice uh, Jackie Johnson gave me when she and I were doing um, a conversation for something and, and she was telling me in, in her own experience. So she's the founder of Create and Cultivate. And um, you know, she was like, you know, when I look back on my career, you know, so often women, we just need to look around us to everything you just said, Bailey, and, and figure out how we can be doing stuff together instead of looking at the really big influencer on Instagram that we want to get to talk about our stuff or the really, you know, experienced mentor and get them to pay attention to us, even though we've never met them before. It's like, you know, she told me, look around because you have no idea where these women are going to be in 10 years. And I just, I think it's such brilliant, you know, brilliant advice because we're all doing shit. And 10 years from now, five years from now, even three, you know, like us, like at General Assembly, we didn't know we'd both be doing these like really cool things now and could help each other and support each other and um, open up doorways for each other. But here within a matter of four years, we're, we're doing it. And I think, you know, just what you said, like, look around, you have no idea where people are going to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably the best advice I can pass on to anybody really is like, you know, don't assume, you know, how somebody's going to help you in the future. Never start a relationship being like, well, what am I going to get out of this person? Uh-huh. You build a relationship based on the human being that's in front of you. And some people click and some people don't, that's okay. Yeah. I don't with everybody, but the people that I've held tight into my community have been by far and away my biggest supporters. And even Maxie and I, like just last week, I shot her a text because I felt like an Instagram post seemed a little down. And then- It was. Yeah, and then she texted me back and I ended up needing it too. And you know, we didn't even realize each other was both feeling this way in San Francisco and LA. And yet here we were, it took a matter of like 10 minutes via text to make us both feel reinvigorated and empowered and supported from afar. Yeah. And you're not, mainly it's just knowing, you know, sometimes those little words of encouragement or someone thinking about you really matter. Thank you for that text. Um, And, you know, oftentimes we just need to know we're not alone and that, you know, those, those little words of encouragement just do kind of remind you that it's all good. Like it's all good. Guys, we made all of this up this is all, I'm in a I, know. Goal. I mean, it's so crazy. I'm in a goal and accountability group with four other entrepreneurial women. And we all take turns being extreme extremists about our businesses and like freaking out. And lately it's been my turn. And mm-hmm. uh, one of them, Emily always reminds me, she's like, listen, like 
this is a game we opted into. Like we could just be working for companies. We could just be doing X, Y, and Z. And instead we've opted to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. And, you know, so it's good to have the people on your team to be like, Hey, just remind you, it's all good. Yeah. It just reminds you. I mean, it's so true. And I think, you know, I think what you said too, I mean, you are, you are the collaboration expert, but I have found that really, it really is just finding those people like Emily for you, who can be a really good mirror and a good reflection and, and, you know, have it, have your relationships, the relationships that are going to get your career the farthest are the ones that don't have agendas. And cause it really does all come it'll, it'll come back and it will benefit you when it's supposed to. My favorite, and I just saw her yesterday, which is, is like so top of mind for me. Um, one of my favorite examples of this is, you know, in, in the time when we met at Levo and running my own business and where everything is at now, you know, with this platform and kind of working as talent and brand partnerships and having a book, blah, blah, blah. Like there's, it's just a spaghetti on a wall of things that I'm doing, but Same. You know, the thing that really in, in beginning my business and then kind of, you know, just know when you expand and you're kind of leveling up and you're like, okay, I'm working at a new level now in terms of exposure and optics and partners. And one of the big moments um, that that was for me in my career was when Microsoft um, brought me in to be the spokesperson of their Land Your Dream Job campaign. And it was just a, it was a really big deal on so many levels. It's Microsoft. It's this, you know, huge company. Um, it was a lot of press for me that I wouldn't have necessarily gotten on my own or, or that quickly all at once it was a big press tour. And the way that that came to me, everybody's like, how did you like, blah, blah, blah. How did that happen? And not, I can't, I kid you not. There's one woman named Ronnie who I saw yesterday and she at the time was working at a PR agency and she, this was her idea. This campaign was her idea. She sold it into her client, which was Microsoft in terms of, you know, pitched it, thought this would be a really good summer campaign. And without telling me, because Ronnie and I had only met each other a couple times, there was never anything for us to do together, but we like liked hanging out and, you know, and it wasn't like we'd never met in person. It was just phone calls about what each of us is doing. And like, there's just this natural energy. And there was never any agenda. Like, you know, I wanted her to know what I did. I knew what she did. Maybe, Hey, someday this will all come together. Well, it did. That's when she, super important too. Like yes. you have to tell people what you're up to or else they won't think of you for opportunities. Exactly. Like you have to give over your problems to get your solutions. Like you, yeah. people have to know about you and your work in order for that to happen. hundred percent. And sure enough, she ends up, you know, kind of selling me in when she pitched the idea as the face of the campaign. <laughs> And then it all came through and it was one of the, one of the bigger moments that's happened to me early on in, in the, in the, you know, the next level of my business, which was, you know, running my own and not working for somebody else. And that all just came from women believing in me, there being relationships there that may not be, you know, transactional and there's nothing to do, but you just kind of trust that it's all going to come around. And a lot of times I found it comes around in huge ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And almost never from the people you think it's going to either. No. Yeah. Like people that. surprise you. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just, you know, you just have to look for the energy, build the relationships with the people that you feel good energy around. And you, you know, you say this all the time, but you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how it ends up benefiting both, both people or in one stage of the game, it's really benefiting one person. Yeah. And then the next stage, it's really benefiting the next. Totally. You know, the next That's person. life. 
Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely life. It's, it's yeah, about it's partnership too, you know, exactly. it's curating your community with the human beings that, that you just genuinely like and that you think are great. I mean, yeah. people, people always say to me, they're like, God, you know, everybody like da 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 da. I'm like, I don't. I just know all the best people. <laughs> yeah, because I like these people. Because I well, love it, them. It's true, right? When you think about, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're in the context of um, a corporate job, your own job, you know, partnerships. I mean, hey, like you want you want to go about it like that, about it, you feeling like it's all the best people because there's a lot of stuff that goes on, and unless you like those people, I mean, we all know that the people we work with fully affects our own work joy, you know, oh, yeah. relationship. And if you don't like them, that shit is not going to be fun. No. And you don't always have the ability to choose your coworkers and all no. of that. But you do have the ability to choose who you work with or who you, who you choose to work with. Exactly. Like who are the people in your community? By. Yeah. Right. You do have the option to choose those people. And I, it's one of my favorite things is to see relationships across time and look backwards and see like, oh my God, we could have never predicted that you and I would be sitting here on a podcast. You no. Know? And there's so many people that you and I both know where I'm like, and you're like, you introduced me to them. I'm like, I, did I? I yeah. had no idea. Like you just really kind of remember because all the like cool people and I say cool, just like good hearted, good energy people. Like, you know, you just kind of all want and it just, it is so natural. It's so natural. And I think being open with your, with your connections and you're so good at this of like, you know, this is so somebody that I really think you should meet. I don't know if there's anything to do now, but, um, you know, but, but eventually, because, you know, when you can be that connector, it just ends up opening up a lot of goodness in your own life. Oh my gosh. It comes back tenfold. I almost feel selfish sometimes with how much I've benefited from the amazing people in my community. I'm like, you guys, it's all I can do to help people past me, you know, because yeah. I get so much back from it. It's almost unfair. It does. It does. And like, there's all those studies out there, right? That actually the person doing the favor, like if I were to ask you to do a favor for me, the person doing the favor is the one that ends up feeling the best about okay. everything. Like yeah. it just is, it's not the one, it's not the one asking. It's the one that like is at, not, you get the most out of it by you know, by doing all of those things. I mean, inherently, I think most people want to help other people. Yeah. Like, I'm sure this comes up for you in I your workshops, as it does with me. The number one thing I hear about what people want from their career is they want to feel like what they did mattered and that they helped yeah. people. Yeah. So like, that's, that's ingrained in most of us to our core. And so if you can do that in a professional capacity that actually pulls up the people behind you and then you get pulled up by the people ahead of you and you're going to swap, you're going to take turns. It's the coolest thing ever to watch that happen. Totally. And I think you're like really identifying, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it a hot button for me, but something that I, you know, try and remind people. And I think it's really important for us to keep in context is like when we are talking about that, that passion and that purpose piece, everything that you just said, right. A lot of times I don't know if it's the right expectation that every single one of us on the planet is going to have our work fulfill us a hundred percent of the time no. that the work is the passion that the work is the purpose. And, you know, a lot of times you end up finding the, the purpose and the, the passion, those pieces that get talked about all the time in just what you said, right. Helping the people up, the mentorship, the resource group you're a part of the side hustle you have the, you know, giving that, you know, that you do on your own time. Like, 
it, it doesn't all have to be in the context of the, you know, quote unquote work. And I think, you know, a lot of us need to reframe that because it does nothing but make you unhappy. Like if I looked at the amount of time I spend in contracts or setting up newsletters or scheduling, like this is not my passion and purpose, trust me. And, you know, but the moments I'm present with women and, you know, on like in person getting to hear a woman's story or, or hold space for that, that, that is, that is it. And, you know, that's not the majority of the No, time. I was, it's like maybe 15%, 20%. Yeah, it would be, it would be interesting actually to, to, to really look at the time breakdown of what it actually is. But, you know, the other kind of like, you know, the 80, 20, like that 80% of, bitch work and the stuff that I don't love doing supports the 20% that feels like 80. And oh. it just it's like drugs. I mean, when you're yeah. doing the thing that feels the best to you, for me, it's, it's getting on stage and doing speaking yeah. gigs and running workshops and like, and doing the podcast, frankly, because yeah. I get to talk to all my favorite people <laughs> and learn more about their stories. But yeah, it's such a small fraction of, of your actual day to day. Yeah. I think that's a super important point too, that the people that are constantly chasing their passion or trying to find their passion, you're missing the point. Your you passion, are it. You are it. Like you your know. passion is the way you go yeah. about your job, yeah. not your job. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. There's a woman by the name of Dr. Lauren um, Hazori. She's a clinical psychologist that works specifically with young girls and women. And she always says this, you are your purpose. Mm. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's so beautiful and, and so true. Like we don't really, and it's true of all, you know, of everything we do, right? Like we are all of the answers and, you know, all the money we pay to find the answer and all the trips we go on and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just is just anything that makes you come back to yourself is, is worth the money. And then some like, yeah. Whatever and whomever is going to bring you back to the answers that are already inside, do it 10 times over. But also remember, it's all already, it's all already inside. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes carving out the space to be quiet enough to listen um, to yourself. That's why I went to Bali for a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can find your Bali for a year in your life, like you do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell, tell me about, tell us about Bali and how you ended up there and what happened while you were there. Cause I feel like um, yeah. that's one of your most pivotal moments in your life. It was, you know, I look back on that moment. I appreciate you saying that from the outside and I, I look back on it as one of my proudest moments and not because, oh, I lived in Bali for a year and it sounds like this like really cool, creative, you know, eat, pray, love thing to do. I'm so proud of it because it was the scariest fucking thing I ever did. And, and it, it was actually a lot more utilitarian than people think because from the, and this is, we can talk about this too. It's a reminder. <laughs> everything looks beautiful and blah, blah, blah and Instagram this. And it was intense and it was utilitarian. And so what had happened was I was, while I was running the communities for local, which, you know, was an amazing job. There was nothing, there was nothing about it that wasn't right other than I was evolving. And I had been writing on a blog that had started to build up a bit of an audience. And I started to see that my work in this world really was underneath the surface level of success. So, you know, I was doing workshops on office politics and negotiation and running this sprawling ambassador program, but I really just wanted to talk about what is happening underneath all of this. And it was a lot of the universals I was writing about. And it just started to become, like I started to be able to see the, the 
business that was being created. I had no idea how to do it. I had no idea if like a quote unquote personal brand, which is essentially what I launched in the beginning, um, had any legs, but I just, I was in Denver. I was in a cab. I was on, you know, some work call that made me super frustrated and I had always said doing my own thing was three to five years out. This is back in 2014. And I was in the car. I like slammed the phone, slammed it in my back, so pissed. And I just heard this voice, like this just loud whisper. I didn't actually hear anything. I just felt it. And it was the voice, the universe, what myself was like, my future self was like, sell everything you own, go to Bali, go to India, start your business, you're ready. And I could not shake it. I'm like, that's insane. I am not ready. I have not done anything to start a business. I have no financial runway. Like, what are you guys talking about? 90-year-old Maxie, what are you talking about? And, but it, it just is that truth you can't unhear. Like, I was just, I was ready, even though I didn't know I was ready. And I, I, I did it. I did it. I got rid of everything that I owned. I gave up my apartment in San Francisco. I told Levo, like, I'm going. We can you know, I'm either leaving or we can figure something else out. They're like, you're not leaving. I mean, you're leaving the country, but you're not leaving us. And so, you know, we got uh, a um, situation together that was at first part-time and then moved into consulting over the years. Um, and I literally went to Bali because it gave me a financial runway. So I was making money. I it was starting my business, making money, a little bit of money there. I was making money, you know, by working part-time at Labo. I was up from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. every night because I was on the other side of the world trying to make it work. And I was slamming money into savings so that when I came back, I actually had a financial runway to, to turn it up. Because as we know, you know, anything you want to do takes a year to two years to become profitable. And I, I wasn't ready for that. Yes. So, I mean, that's what it was really about. But, and I was scared, Bailey, every day. Like I would get up. I don't know why it always hit me when I was brushing my teeth, but I think it's because I could see myself. And I was just Ugh. like, what the fuck are you doing? Deep. Like woman in the mirror. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And then I just have to be like, you're fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. And you know, it all worked out. And one of the big things, you know, for anybody who is trying to get over that fear hump and you may, you may have heard this before, like, it doesn't matter. Right. That was a big hump, but that fear could be the same as talking to your boss about a raise. Like it's whatever is meaningful in you and your life. Like one looks might look quote unquote bigger than the other, but let me tell you, seven years ago when I signed up for a writing class, my fear was just as big as going to Bali. It just, it, it's what it meant to me at the time. And the, a, an exercise that continues to help me no matter how big or small, is just going through my worst case scenario, walking all the way through my worst case scenario. But the important part about the worst case scenario is looking at, okay, what would I do if that happened? Mm -hmm. Not plan B. If you can handle that plan B, you can handle it. You know? And I think it's just being able to to speak the fear or to speak the worst case scenario and what you would do about it. And for me, I was lucky that my worst case scenario, because of, you know, the, how I have, where I live in this world and, and the family that I have, which I know, you know, not everybody can call on family, but I am lucky that I could like worst case scenario. I would ask my parents to sleep on a couch for a couple of days while I found another job. Right. And, and so that was that. And so I did it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and you learned to surf. Oh my God, I learned to surf. And that was the thing, right? So I was surfing most mornings. And what I realized is I, you know, I thought I was going there to build a business, but the first few months were really about going 
to just kind of heal and to get some like time and space away from the onslaught of of everything I had thrown myself into in startup life. And well, San Francisco is intense. San Francisco, you know, and all of our lives are intense. And and I also hear my other thing about it was, you know, at the time I was, I have no idea how old I was, but I, (laughs) I like can't do math. Um, But I, you know, at that time in my life, I knew, I knew life would only get more complicated and complex. And so that was the other thing I told myself is you're not always going to want to up and leave your life. Like I would, I, my mom, I was going to buy this like big leather swivel chair. That was like an investment. And my mom was like, I just really want you to think about this because your life is a little disposable. This is my mom saying this to me four years after I've been in Bali, three years. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry. I have an apartment in San Francisco. My life is not just, but she's like, you just like up and leaving and like traveling and blah, blah. I go, mom, I, this is not where my life is at anymore. You know, like I want to be here. I am nested. Do I love to travel and get on a plane? Of course, but I am not looking to uproot my life and go somewhere for a year. Like that's just not, you know, it's not in the plan right now. And I just, you know, there's, there's so many chapters of our lives you know, what it, what made sense then is not something that makes sense now. And, and what makes sense now may not make sense later. So, I mean, that's, that's something to keep in mind too, because the thing that cracks me up the most about recent college grads are ones that are like, well, you know, I went to school for this and I don't think I want to do it anymore, but I've already invested too much time. And I'm like, hold the phone. First of all, we allow our 18-year-old selves to make decisions for the rest of our of lives. Your life, no. I don't care with that nonsense. I and know. Second of all, I think most of us, we all have, you know, different uh, lengths of of time that uh, we change. So, like, I think yeah. my my length of time is shorter, or has been shorter, the last couple of years than a lot of my friends. But I fully expect to like pause on that, or. I expect my evolution to slow a good amount in the coming years because I like where I am right now. I like who I am. Exactly. But for me, a lot of work to, done a lot of work to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all go through, I think, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like evolution kind of speeds up, slows down based on where you're at and what your needs are and how much you want it to change and how much you're pushing yourself. I mean, one is not necessarily better than the other. It's just kind of, it's funny that you're bringing this up because I had asked some girlfriends, like, you know, when I look back on the girl that was living in Dallas as a sports broadcaster, mm-hmm. and now the, the amount of those years is about seven and a half, eight years. And I was in Dallas while I was telling them this, because I was sitting on a street that, you know, I used to like go to the bar and grab, and I was like, oh my God, I literally cannot handle how much my life is different from then. And that was not that long ago, you know, like it really, it really just wasn't at, you know, at the time of this conversation, I want to say it was about five or six years. And, and then we were saying this, we're like, but do we expect from now to then to have the same amount of change? And we were actually kind of debating it because I was like, you know, I actually think mine could change just as much. And they were like, I think it's going to slow. They were saying for them personally, they're like, I think it's going to slow. Things will chill out, blah, 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 in terms of the amount of change. But at the end of the day, we have no idea. Oh God, no. We're all just guessing. But I think it's really freeing in, in what you're saying of like, so much of the discontent we experience is because we do lock ourselves into lives, into partnerships, into careers, into 
all these things because we're unwilling to follow a truth or unwilling to follow what we really feel. And well, that's way scarier than just making one decision one time and, and then never having, but then you have all the discontent of mm-hmm. living in the fact that it made the it. devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't, that's yeah. the way most people live their lives. And it makes yeah. me very sad. Yeah. And you know, like fear never gets easier. You just get better at acting alongside it. And I think there's something so freeing in the fact that there's so many chapters of our lives. Like I love knowing that what I'm doing right now is probably going to lead me to somewhere totally different and totally whatever. And one of my favorite examples and like stories in modern culture of this, you know, the, the 30 before 30 lists are like, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Make me want to die. Yeah. But the list that I really do love is like what these like really badass people were doing at 30, sure. which is a whole lot of nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like um, the looking back, like, Oh, Tina I like Faye, those. I always click on those. I can't help it. Yeah. But one of my favorite, you know, stories, I don't even know if she's included in these lists. It's just cause I stalked the shit out of hers, Ava DuVernay. And you know, she's the queen, like masterpiece director of Selma and now a wrinkle in time and 13th and, um, Queen Sugar and like all of this stuff. Do you know how old she was when she picked up a camera? She was like 33, 34, 35, like between when she picked up a camera and when when she created her first documentary was all in that window. And before she was a publicist and she was in PR and then she was like on set in Hollywood and was like, I can, I can fucking do this and just did it. And you know, now look at where she is in her mid forties. It's just like the most lauded, you know, director period right now and all of that has happened and like because she picked wasn't scared to pick up a camera in her mid-30s like I just I'm obsessed with it I'm obsessed like I yes well I always whenever camera whenever people are like in their early parts of their careers and they're frustrated at the lack of movement or that they're not already a VP or whatever I want to shake them and what I usually say is like picture yourself at say 50 right? You're still very much in your career. You've still got a good 15 years left of your career. How would you feel if 25 year old you was the VP of your company? Like you'd be pissed and you you know, where do you go from there? Right? So I think I do the same thing where I'm like, Oh my God, I've changed so much in the last seven years. I moved to LA at the time this episode comes out, it'll be almost eight years, um, eight years ago from Florida. And that life feels like a billion and a half years I mean, ago. And that girl. Oh my God. That, that girl. girl in Florida, you know, girl, like. Daily girl that was out at the bars every single month in Tampa <laughs> that I still have my old bartenders texting me from time right. to time being like, we miss you. And I'm like, right. Jesus, what does that say? Right. <laughs> right. My bar. Says you're unforgettable. Oh, that's what we'll go with. Not like their best, you know, biggest paying customer. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't know either. You know, who knows yeah. if another eight None years comes if I'm going to be night and day different again, I like to think not as drastic of a change anymore because I like who I've become. Because you're starting to find what makes you tick and you've worked really hard to get there. I agree. I agree with that. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to, I don't want to know. Like I'm really like, you know, in all of the emotion that we feel and the fear of anything that any of us are trying to do. And we expand, you know, part of the fun is like, 
because I don't know about you, I never could have predicted this life in a million years. So why would I want to even try to predict what's five years out? Because I can tell you right now, my brain is like, isn't going to be able to create something cool. You will undersell yourself so hard. So much. I, cause I, I never, I couldn't have gotten here. So there's no way I can get there in my own brain. No. And I just kind of have to trust the, the expansion of, of all that is meant to be. Yeah. Anytime people are like, well, in five years, I'm going to be here. In 10 years, I'm going to be here. It's like, you're picking up this novel and you're reading chapter one, you're closing it. And you're like, yeah, I get the gist of the rest of the book. Yeah. Uh, I think all of these things are going to happen. Meanwhile, you don't know any of the characters that you haven't met yet. You have yep. no idea what the plot twists are yep. and nor would yep. you want to. That would ruin the whole damn book. So. It's, I mean, it is. Oh, it's so true. That's such a good visual for the experience. Right. It's so too. ridiculous when you- But also it was me. I don't know if oh, it was you. It was me. Like I, oh, yeah. I, mean, I say this a lot that I like, I've started, go- like I used to be the, you know, the biggest goal horror on the planet. Like I was obsessed with- I was a goalaholic as well. Yep. Yes. And, you know, for me, I've just, I've kind of like a, adopted a way of living that's pretty goalless. Like I have- clear things that are important to me, like writing the book or starting the show or making X amount of money that, you know, I I will figure out how to operationalize. But in terms of five, 10, where I'm going to be, what I'm doing down to like every personal professional, like, no, bye. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm okay. Not knowing. I know what's important to me. And I think that's, that's the thing we have to focus on. Well, and I think there's a difference between not being a goalaholic um, and still being ambitious, yeah. right? Like, and that's why, you know, the one-year career, which is my online course and the book that I'm working on, it's all about just taking it one year at a time because we can't accurately predict. Yeah. Really, even a year, it's kind of tricky because yeah. so much can happen in that year, but it at least gives us a tangible amount of time that our tiny little brains can comprehend and think, yeah. all right, well, I'm not going to be night and day different in one year what do I want to work towards this year that's going to make that's me feel measurable. that much more yeah. you know, professionally fulfilled and happy yeah. based on who I am today, not who I was five years ago, Yeah, right? Because yeah. otherwise the rest is a fool's errand. It's, it's so true. And I, you know, I couldn't agree with it more. I, I, I share a similar sentiment in that like, you know, fuck the big picture. Yeah. Like how, how can we get right here? We'll know the right big now. picture when we are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you want? You want to jump to that point? Because I don't. Right? Because that's kind of what it is. Yeah. It's like end of story. I yeah. hate that last page on a book, right? Yeah. The last page on the book is the saddest. Of course, it's the most complete and you get the whole thing. But like, I would much over. rather be in the middle. But it's yeah. over. It's over. I know. I feel you on that. I'm reading so much fiction right now. Oh my God. I, I think all your lists because I don't well, have a single fiction book to my name. Well, so that's, that was me. And yeah. that, like, I just, I, <laughs> I've read every self-help book under the sun. Yep. I'm like, so obsessed with making myself better Then I'm working on my own self-help book. And then I got through that process and was just like, oh my God, I think I need to tap out. And it's like my version of television. I don't have a yeah. TV and I don't, I don't, I don't watch really anything. And so it's kind of just my way of like, I'm going to need to leave not only this world, but the old like world inside of my head and like not try and get better right now and just be. <laughs> That's an important phase too, because, um, you know, a lot of people with this whole, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Sometimes you want to, like, it would be ideal to be almost exactly where you are because yeah. you, you've hit that finish line, right? Like yeah. you've crossed the, the line you've achieved your goal. And for you, like you're in a phase where the book is about to come out and like all of these big things are about to come to completion. 
you deserve to coast for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's just too, I think it's like knowing, knowing when you need to just look up and know that like, you know, for me, one of the big challenges I've had is there's so much that I've wanted to make better. Mm -hmm. Um, let's just take the, the book journey. Like I worked so hard to get here seven years ago, I was taking a nonfiction book writing book proposal writing class, which led me to Levo, which then led me oh back my here. Gosh, right? I didn't know that's how you yeah. got to Levo. I mean, literally that is the, it's goosebumps. Well, here I'll next level it for you. Blow my mind. The, the instructor in that class ended up being the colleague of the literary agent that, yeah, it just, that I ended up with seven years out. And so you think about, right, I, I give that story A, because it's so universe, but B, because it's been a really long time in the making. So then when I got into the process and I'm writing and the writing is hard and I'm editing and the editing is hard, I'm designing book covers and the book covers are hard. And now I'm getting, you know, ready for this book to come out. And like, that is its own, you know, hard. And I'm like, okay, I've really got to, to your point, take a minute and look up and know, not only did I opt into this, but also I love this. Right. This is what I was working so hard to get. You're here. So, you did it. You're there. Yeah. So like out of it. celebrate and enjoy and love, love the problems that I think that's even it, right? You know, you're in the right work when you can learn to love those problems. And, and, but also it's a mindset shift. It's me having to tell myself that day, I'm not going to bitch about this. Like I'm not going to tear myself up on not doing it good. Cause it's all self-inflicted. I'm not bitching about other people. I'm bitching about myself. Like, why aren't you here? Why haven't you done this? You need to do this better. It's like all this internal dialogue. And, and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this. Cause this is everything you've wanted. You worked so hard to get here. Like love yourself in it and, and stop making this so hard. Cause it doesn't have to be. Right. And also I'm, this is whole, just honestly me trying to talk myself off a cliff today. Yeah, no, I feel you. I did the last couple of weeks we were talking before we started recording that it's just been kind of a weird emotional yeah. few weeks for a lot of people that I know for some reason, but I don't know. I think we often forget to enjoy the moment when we're in it and yeah. I'm trying to do the same thing. Look yeah. around and be like, your, your struggles today were like your greatest dreams, you know, years ago. 100%. Right? 100%. I always, I you know, I um, relate it to, to a horizon line, right? Like you're always wanting to be there, but when you get there, you realize it doesn't exist yeah. and you don't want success to be that for you. And it will be if we're always pushing out the horizon line. If we get here, this place I've always wanted to be with a book about to come out, like holy dream. And then all you're doing is saying, well, I want it to be X bestseller. I want it to do right. this. Or I want it to do this or else it's not worth, you know, it's, it's not a success. Well, then success is literally just an ever evaporating horizon line. We can't do that to ourselves. The only, but the only way to push against that is to know that you're doing it and to just be like, as I always say, batshit grateful. Like you have to be so grateful for, for the place that you're in because there's always something to be grateful for. Always, always, always. No. So tell us about the book. Ah, uh -huh. ah, um, so so the name of the book is You're Not Lost. Um, it is available on all of the sites that we get books on. Um, but you know, the story of the book is really that it, it was born from being on the road, talking to women for the, you know, the crux of my career. And it didn't matter if I was in a room in Milan or Miami, I heard the same thing over and over and over again. I feel so lost. Mm. And I just, I heard, it's like, I had always heard it, right? We were, I was always having this conversation. 
And then it just clicked with me. I was like, this is, this is the answer. This is the thing that I have to go give birth to because you're not lost. You just don't believe in yourself enough to find your own way to take that little step, despite the fear, whether it was my writing class or going, you know, whatever that is in our life, um, and take step after step after step and the path will open up. You will, you will get yourself to the clearing and it will all show up. And you know, the core of the book is really this building this deep sense of self-belief as the pathway of getting there. Um, and you know, it is, it is storytelling. There's interviews with amazing women. Um, and there's also, cause I'm, this is what I'm most passionate about are those mindset shifts. So there's a lot of worksheets. There's a lot of exercises, like stuff that has been, um, not pulled out of thin air, but really core and crucial in my own life. Um, I have put in the book as well. So each chapter has a worksheet. You get to get your hands dirty with it, which I don't know about you. Those are always my favorite, um, my favorite books when working on something or things that I can get involved with. And yeah, that's what this book is meant to be. And I, I am like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't handle it. <laughs> I am so, 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 so excited. I remember talking to you right before you left for Bali and being like, Maxie, what the hell are you doing? What's going on? Catch me up. And you're like, I don't know, man, I'm going to Bali, I guess. And I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. And, you know, I feel like that was, is that where you started actually putting pen to paper on the book? Yeah, it actually was the second part of Bali. So the first part of Bali was getting the business. And I say first and second, because I went for about five months, came back for a few weddings and then went back for the rest of the year. So in my head, there's these two right, phases. Phase one, phase two. Yeah. And that first phase of Bali was getting the business out into the world and like launching. What, the, what is the business? Yeah. The well, the business then was literally everything. Like I was just launching Max as a personal brand and doing all of these things. Um, and, and when I say all, I mean, literally, I was like, how are all the ways I can make money? I will do all of them. And it's funny to look back because it like, not, I mean, it, it just is funny. Um, but now my business is really specific. I mean, you, you said it in the bio, but it really is a combination of writing and speaking and and the way that that ends up looking, um, you know, the big money makers or the brand partnerships I do because of the following conferences and I'm um, going internal at companies and, and giving workshops. Um, and then, you know, having the products, which is, is the book. And, and I'm very excited about that. But yeah, the first, <laughs> but the first phase of Bali was really just like trying to figure out all these different ways. Um, and then when the, when the genesis of the book started to form itself and I, you know, I knew that I was pregnant with it. I knew I wanted to go do this. I also knew I needed a book proposal. So mm -hmm. I spent that back half of Bali writing the book proposal, um, which if anyone has any interest in writing a book, a book proposal is a very hefty business plan for a book. And it's tricky because it needs to be both marketing and businessy, but oh, by the way, be really well written and voicey and showcase your great ideas. And like, it's awful. I am writing my right now and it's so stressful, it's but it's hard. so uplifting and exciting to start reading yeah. words on paper. Well, just to like, put it on paper, right? Cause you sit and that's how I was. I had been sitting in this and finally I was like, it is coming out. Um, and so got it out. But you know, from when I started the book proposal to when I got a book deal was over a year and a half. Um, so it was a long, it was a long journey because there were so, there's just so many tiny hurdles, like the proposal, then getting a proposal that an agent will actually look at and then getting an agent and then getting it to a place and me to a place where it was 
it could be a bigger book deal by having a bigger platform. So we held off that like, there's just, it, I mean, this has literally been the longest process to be looking at the next week and be like, oh my gosh, this thing is actually coming out into the world three plus years later, almost to the month of when I put pen to paper on the book proposal, three Doesn't years. Doesn't that just make you want to cry? It makes you want to cry, but it also is like such a reminder on any of the things I'm working on now, any of the things anyone is working on, you just have to have patience. I think that's what it is. I mean, Ooh. when I say cry, I mean like tears of pure joy and oh, universe. Okay. It makes me, it makes me both. Like we. It makes me both. Like, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I feel, um, I feel more happiness, joy um, than not. But I do also have moments where you got to kind of like, wow, I didn't, I wish I could go back to myself three years ago and tell her, take a breath. This is going to take time. And, and that permission just kind of lets you, um, it kind of eases it. It just, yeah, there's something about it that just kind of eases you because it's just going to take time. And as we all know, good things take time. Oh, so annoying. I mean, I think what's hard is matching patience to your point, patience with ambition. Yeah. Still doing the work, but being patient with how it's going to play out. Uh, that's, I, when you figure that out, you let me know. Oh, I, same. Anybody listening, please. Yeah, please go ahead know. and email us um, if you've figured that equation out, because that is the hardest part, to be an ambitious person and also patient. And also let it take time. My mom's quote that she repeated to me, probably from the time I was born, because I came out of the womb this way. Like ready. Like, ready to go, um, yeah. was leave a little room for serendipity. And Amen. I did not do that for the first like 25 years of my life. I was just like, nope, sorry, I got a goal list. I'm checking it off. And I left no room for serendipity. And then it wasn't until I basically exploded my entire life because it just mm -hmm. was so out of line mm -hmm. with what I knew deep in my gut to be what I actually wanted that it unfortunately was a much bigger disaster than it needed to be had I just listened and yeah. paid attention. Yeah. And keeping, I think she's so right. Like keeping room for that and knowing that when you get the nose or it's not working out, it is all working in our favor. And, you know, I look at like one of the biggest meltdowns I ever had was, was when I didn't get a job at ESPN that I thought I was slated for really early in my career. And it was a really big blow. And I just, you know, I look back on all of it. I'm like, but man, it, it really, to your point, like it's, it created all of the stuff started showing up that I hadn't planned and didn't have room for. And it just, it really started to, to open that path. And, you know, even with the book journey, like a perfect example of this is I wanted to be marketing the book. I was ready marketing. I mean, pitching, pitching it to editors. Cause I had my agent way before we actually did. She actually said yes to the book proposal my agent, which I really, really wanted her. Um, and a yes and, which to me sounded like a yes, but, mm. uh, but it was a yes and let's do some work for about three to four months to get your platform to another level. Um, here's what I need you to do. You can do it. I know that you can. And, and then we're going to, it's going to merit an entire different level book advance. And so, you know, I walked out feeling like, Somebody had just told me to lose about a hundred pounds in two days. That was like how big of a mountain it felt. But when I look back on it, it was so perfect, Bailey, because what ended up happening is I was pitching this book that, you know, is 
has a has a career you know through line but a very feminist through line of very much like women coming back to themselves and their power and and you know fuck the patriarchy and you know there's these undertones um no, they're not undertones. It's very overt. <laughs> <laughs> not and, I feel like subtlety is not. Yeah, not in my, is never worked for me. But what ended up happening is we ended up pitching this book right after all of the women's marches. It's just when it was slated to be pitched. And, and you know, had it been any earlier, it would have gotten lost in an election that we thought was going away that it didn't. And mm-hmm. it just is, you know, I don't know... I can't tell you if that had any real effect in what ended up happening, which was, you know, a great thing and and who I landed with, but, but I'm sure that it did. Like it just, it, everything is, is happening. Everything is conspiring to happen in our favor. And the more that you can tell yourself that when things are, are not going your way, um, the more that I think it settles you because you'll see it in hindsight. You, we always do. I mean, I, there's almost no phase of my life that I look backwards on that I'm like, mm, that didn't actually go the way it should have. Like even the real, even I was married, I got a divorce. I did a short sale on my home. I sold everything I owned and moved to California. Yeah. And damn, in the middle of that, I was like, well, I really fucked this up. Like right. this not how this You're was so supposed scared to happen. And yeah. yeah. And then eight years later, I'm married to an incredible person that like younger me would have never appreciated. Younger uh-huh. me would have never even like, recognized how great he is. And then my life now is in so much better alignment with who I am to my core. And so looking back, I'm like, oh God, that couldn't have gone more perfectly down to the minute, right? Of when things happened. It's, I mean, that looking in the middle of it. It's so true. And I think it's why, you know, I think we really underestimate looking back. Like we always have this practice of, you know, doing vision boards and thinking about what we want and who we want to be and what's important to us. I think all of that is core. It's core. It's important. Sure. It's important. But one I find, and I just did something similar to you. I was, you know, I kind of started this year um, in a place of fear and I don't, there was a lot of change happening is what was going on. So that was natural. Like a lot of stuff was shifting for me in a, in a great, amazing way. And there was just some fear and trepidation involved. And I felt it um, without knowing the changes that were coming. They, they hadn't been revealed to me yet. And so after my birthday, I took myself on a little mini trip alone. And I brought every single one of my journals from my 20s. And I read through them. And I mean, I'm telling you, like, full on, it reminded me how important that practice of reflection is, no matter how we go about doing it. Because every single Thing that I was worried about, that I was journaling about, that I was upset about, it all worked out so beautifully. And it worked out because I had the, the, the power and the confidence and the, the grit to work it out. And, you know, it's just, it's all happening in our favor. And I think we need to, sometimes you need to look back in order to know that all the things you're looking forward at that you're worried about are also going to work themselves out in the same way. Isn't it funny how we can recognize that things do work themselves out looking backwards, but then we assume for some reason it's going to be totally different going different on the way. It's so funny. And that's why I think reflecting is just a, it's a, it's a slap in the face. It's like a little bitch slap, like girl, like, come on. Like, you know, this, you know, that this is you true. I, this. I say this all the time. Like I forget a lot that everything is working in our favor. I love that statement. I, I forget that we have a lot more control over things than we think. 
because we control how we think about things and we control the way we react to things and we control what we allow into our lives and what we don't. Yeah. And I will go in phases and I think I've been in one recently where I've just completely put on blinders to all of that knowledge and just gotten lost in what I call like people stuff. It's like, God, you're being such a person, Bailey. Stop being such a stupid person. Like, don't forget that this is all this big, exciting adventure that we kind of signed up for. Like, all of the hard parts are to make the good parts seem amazing and look even more amazing than they would be if you had no challenges. And we know that. Yep. We forget. But, but coming away from it, I think, is important to come back to it, right? I think one of the beautiful, beautiful things about life is we get to relearn our own lessons. And when you relearn them, they, they sit with you deeper and in a deeper way. And, you know, you do have to be kind of that human wrapped up in the shit or wrapped up in the hustle or really far apart from what matters because you will come back. And when you come back, you'll, you'll be more attached to it. You'll learn it in a new and deeper way. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't learn it, it will continue to come back. It will force itself. It doesn't. Yeah. Lessons don't just back <laughs> out of the room and say, okay, Bailey, sure. Those lessons, they're real, they're real gritty girls. They're going to make sure you learn them. And one, one thing you said at the very beginning that like is sitting with me so deeply is the idea that like future you whispered this book into your ear, right? Like, oh, I love the idea that our future ass 90 year old selves, maybe they get like, you know, two chances in our lives to come back and like whisper something inspirational at the exact moment you need it. I literally like, I am pretty positive. I think mine has way more than two chances because I have visions of my future self all the time. Like she is the voice in my head, the voice in my head, the wisdom in my head, the kind of person I'll like meditatively go to, to ask. She's just really present in my life. And it, it's, I mean, it sounds so like out there, but it really is just kind of like, it's a, it's an exercise of being able to handle today of just knowing like what would make my future self so proud. And she just happens to be 90 with like rose colored hair. I mean, you're going to be the coolest looking old lady of all my like big curls, wild rose colored hair. I can't wait to be an old bitty with you one day being like those, those bitches thought they knew everything. They're going to be like, they thought they knew all these things. They were so worried. They had no idea. They didn't even know what I have. Yeah. Max, we could talk for another 800 hours and I love you and everybody needs to go look up this book. Tell us the name of it again. You're Not Lost, an inspired action plan for finding your own way. Oh, I love it so much. I want to cry. I'm, ah, I'm so, so excited. excited for this. You better give me a signed copy. Obvi. I mean, I'm going to frame that shit. Obvi. After I read it a hundred times. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. Thanks, Bailey. Incredible. Guys, we'll see you next time.